Welcome to the Scotts Hill Podcast. At Scotts Hill, our mission is to join God in His work of transforming lives. One of the ways we join God is by studying and proclaiming His Word. So each week, our podcast features our Sunday morning sermons where one of our pastors explains, illustrates, and applies the Bible to our lives. We hope that you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of the Lord. Who would have dreamed? Who would have dreamed that God would send his son wrapped in human flesh as a baby to redeem sinful men? Who would have dreamed of all the plans that God could have used to come into this world and to redeem our lives from the brokenness of the world, that he would do it by sending his son, not just in human flesh, but as a baby? It's one of the most unexpected plans imaginable. God became a man. God as a fetus. While the creatures of earth moved about unaware, divinity stepped on this planet. What we can see is the omnipotent in an instant himself became breakable. He who was spirit became pierceable. He who was greater than the universe became an embryo. And he who spoke all the worlds into being with a single word and sustains our world with a word was absolutely dependent upon the nourishment and the protection of a young girl that he created. The thought of it is just sounds absurd, doesn't it? That God would do all of this. And if this sounds absurd to you and me, can you imagine how it must have sounded to Mary and Joseph? You see, when we read the Christmas story, we know the end. We know exactly how God is going to fulfill all the details to carry out his plan into bringing the king into the world. We know it. We know all the things that are going to happen. But Mary and Joseph did not have a clue. They had no idea what God was about to do in their own lives. His plan was going to be so unexpected to them that we can't even imagine what they must have gone through. You see, when we read the New Testament, seldom do we consider what Mary and Joseph must have thought. I mean, that God appears in an angel to Mary and says to her that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. And that same angel appears to Joseph later and says that you will be the stepdad to the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Everything for them was about to change. Everything was going to change. Their lives were going to change. Their future was going to change. In fact, all of human history was about to change. And because of the coming of Jesus Christ, our lives also can be changed. This morning, as we celebrate Christmas Eve and we celebrate the coming of the King, I want us to look this morning from the perspective of Mary What must have happened in that situation when the angel Gabriel appeared to her? What was she thinking? In fact, we find out exactly how she responds to God's unexpected plans in her life. And this is helpful for us because every one of us will always encounter unexpected plans. Situations that we never thought would happen. Circumstances that would come into our life that we never thought 
would be coming upon us. And yet in the midst of all of those things, Mary gives us a clue on how you and I should live our lives and respond when God's unexpected plans come into our own lives. So in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, here's what we discover. Luke says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. Now, can you imagine what must have gone on in Mary's life when this angel shows up? It's been 400 years since God has shown up. He showed up in Zacharias and Elizabeth's life and told them that they were going to have a son and he would be a great prophet, John the Baptist. She knows nothing of this. But then all of a sudden, this angel shows up to Mary. There are three things that we see about Mary in this passage. Number one, she's a virgin, which means that she was a young woman who was committed to purity. She had not had any kind of physical, intimate relationships with a man. She is living a life of holiness and purity. And most likely, scholars believe she was anywhere between the ages of 15 to 19. She was a very young girl. But the second thing we see is that she is engaged to a young man named Joseph. In Matthew's gospel, we find that he was a righteous man, which means he too is godly. He was following the laws of God, walking in holiness and purity, both of them, a commitment to honor God. And though this passage doesn't say, there's no doubt that they loved one another and they were looking for a life together. But there's a third piece of this that we see, that she was surprised. She was taken back. The last thing that she ever imagined was that God would interrupt her world and her life with such an unexpected plan. The passage says that she was troubled. And when he says, greetings, old favored one, the Lord is with you, she was troubled. There's nowhere in the passage that says she was afraid. Now, although she probably was because of an angel appearing before her. He later says, do not be afraid. But the overwhelming thing was she was troubled. What was she troubled by? The saying that he said, oh, favored one. In the midst of this unexpected plan, amazingly, how she responds is in humility. She was troubled that he would call her, oh, favored one. She must be thinking, he's talking to me? I mean, I'm just a teenage girl from a dead-end town of Nazareth. The only way you can get to Nazareth is to plan to go there. You don't pass through Nazareth, kind of like Wilmington. But she was in this place, and in the midst of all of this, her response wasn't with pride, but it was filled with humility. And we find later in the passage, in verse 38, she says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And again, in verses 46 through 47, as she sings out her praise to God, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She walked in absolute humility. In the middle of this unexpected plan, she humbled herself as a servant of God. 
Now, this is a great lesson for us because all of us are going to have unexpected plans in our life. And here's the first thing that Mary teaches us. When you encounter God's unexpected plans, respond in humility. Because every one of us are going to have those times in our life. We're going to have those situations where something's going to come up that we never planned. God is doing some work that we can't understand. And most of the time, when God's plans interrupt our lives, we don't tend to to respond in humility, do we? We respond in frustration. We respond maybe in anger. We respond um, being confused. And because we don't like it when God interrupts our lives. But when there are certain interruptions that come in your way, rather than bowing up against God, as a servant of God, you walk in humility. Some of you have experienced some interruptions this year. Some of you have been diagnosed with some situations that have completely taken you by surprise. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have lost relationships. Some of you have experienced the death of a dream. Some of you, your lives have come to an unexpected situation. And the tendency of your heart is to come to God in anger. But the thing that we learn, the greatest way we can do is walk in humility. Didn't Jesus do that? Think about the whole life of Jesus. Think about his coming to earth completely in humility. God is a fetus. Holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created in flesh. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness and filth and sheep manure. Divinity entering into the world on the floor of a dirty stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. Instead of being greeted by angels, he is greeted by dirty shepherds. He could have come as a conquering king, but he came as a baby. And his entire life was characterized by one of humility. He had no home. He had no bed. He didn't even have money for taxes. He had to send Peter to the beach and pull out a coin from a fish. He had nothing. And yet in his whole life, what he demonstrated was in the midst of God's plan for him was humility. As we go through this season and as we come into a new year, there are going to be circumstances in your life where you're going to run into some unexpected situations. And when that happens, Mary teaches us we respond in humility. But the angel goes on. He says in verses 30 to 33, he says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The fulfillment of God's promise is becoming a reality, that Jesus is going to be born. The king, the savior of the world is coming. And how did Mary respond? Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, here's an interesting thing. Zacharias asked that same question when Gabriel stood before him and said that he and his wife would conceive and have a son. He said, how could this be? But in his heart, there was doubt. There was a questioning of whether this thing would even be true. But none of that is hinted in Mary. 
When she asked the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin, she affirms the fact of her life of purity, and by asking the question, she's not questioning the reality of it. She is just simply wanting clarity for how this will take place. And this is the second point that we can learn. When you encounter God's unexpected plans, seek clarity. Here's something that's really important. There's nothing wrong with asking God questions when you're going through difficult times. There's nothing wrong with asking God questions when circumstances come to your life that you have never planned. But we have to ask the right questions. More often than not, we ask the wrong questions, don't we? We tend to ask the question, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this in my life? Why would you let this happen to me if you love me? The problem with the question why is they can seldom be answered this side of heaven. You cannot answer the question why. And many times we get stuck in the why questions. And when you live your life in the why questions, instead of being a victor, you become the victim. And you never get out. And you never learn what God wants to teach you. Instead, we should ask the what questions. God, what do you want me to learn about you? What do you want me to learn about me? How do you want me to glorify you in the midst of this uncertainty? How do you want me to honor you with my life as I follow your ways? The Lord Jesus did that perfectly. He was always seeking clarity from the Father. We see that Jesus regularly pulled himself aside at quiet times. He regularly pulled himself in prayer to fellowship with the Father, but he was also seeking wisdom. He spent all night praying, asking the Father for clarity on the 12 men that he would choose as disciples. He spent all night praying for the ministries that he would have and what to say and what to do as he followed the character and the illustration of his own father. And he even, in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, seeking the wisdom of his father. Seeking clarity is something we need to do even in the midst of difficulties. So what does Mary teach us? She teaches us that, listen, when unexpected times come, respond in humility. When unexpected times come, seek clarity for the glory of God. And now the angel tells her exactly how it's going to happen. He says this, and the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. He says, there is about to be a conception that has never happened and will never happen again. That the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and without the involvement of a man, you will become pregnant. And that which is in you shall be holy. Then Gabriel reminds her and reminds us of an important truth in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And notice how she responds in verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. You see, she responds in humility. She seeks clarity. But thirdly, here's what we learn. When you encounter God's unexpected plans, trust him completely. She trusted him completely. She had no idea what was about to happen to her. That her becoming pregnant outside of marriage, the wedding, the, the, the finalization of that um, engagement would be a disgrace to her family, 
his family, and everyone in Nazareth. She would have been the talk of the town. She would have been ridiculed. She would have been put down. And not only would she have been mistreated, but when Jesus comes along, he would have been mistreated. Even the Pharisees, when he was grown, considered him to be illegitimate because of how his birth happened. And yet, in the midst of all of that, she trusted him completely. What a beautiful picture for us. When we're in a place of unexpected situations, we trust God completely. You see, he knows the end from the beginning. We don't. We can't always see what he's going to do and how he's going to shape our lives through this circumstance that's in front of us. But what we find is Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path straight. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, it's a picture of a man leaning on a stick or a reed which will not hold him up. But when you trust in the Lord, the picture is leaning on a mountainous peak that can never be moved. And what does she do? She trusted fully. And that means when you and I go through difficult times, painful times, not only do I walk in humility and seek clarity, but I trust him completely with every situation of my life. After all, the Lord Jesus did that. He submitted perfectly to the Father's plan. He takes on human flesh. He comes to earth, and he allows himself to be beaten, to be tortured, for his flesh to be ripped apart, all because he submitted to the plan of the Father, because it was the only way that he would become the redemption, the sacrifice for the sins of many. Now, Joseph is going to have to experience the same thing, and he does. The angel appears to him. He struggles with the same thing, and then what does he do? He takes Mary as his wife, and then they go to Bethlehem because of the decree of Caesar Augustus. And as they go to Bethlehem, we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, of Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. God's plan is now fulfilled. The king has come, but he came with no silk. He came with no ivory. He came with no hype. He came with no throne room. He came with no palace. No exquisite baby bed was there for him. His shelter was a cave that housed animals. He was wrapped in strips of cloth that was reminiscent of grave clothes. His bed was a manger, which would be his temporary throne. While the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise, so is his death. And while we come at Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we cannot forget about the cross because the crib leads to the cross and the cross leads to our conversion. And without the cross, the crib is meaningless. Without the crib, the cross is empty. So God's plan At the birth of Jesus Christ, as he is in that crib, that manger, the shadow of the cross was laying across him because he came 
for the purpose to die. Max Licato captures the purpose of Jesus coming very beautifully. In his book, God Came Near, he shows that Jesus' purpose was to come and die. And even as a baby in the crib, God was preparing him for the sacrifice of humanity. He says his tiny hands were reserved to touch a leper's open wound, to wipe a widow's weary tear, to claw the ground of Gethsemane, to feel the pain of a Roman spike in his hands. His tiny eyes will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide, our selfishness, for we cannot give, our pain, for we cannot heal. His tiny feet will feel the dust of the trails he will travel, feel the cold sea upon which he will walk, wrench at the invasion of the nail he will bear. His little heart, his holy heart, will be torn by the thorns of our accusations, will be ravaged by the cancer of our sin, will be crushed under the weight of his own sorrow, and will be pierced by a spear because of our rejection. Yet in that piercing, in that ultimate ripping of muscle and membrane, in that final rush of blood and water, he will be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect satisfaction for the wrath of God, the perfect means of salvation for sinful man. It is through his manger throne that he will ascend to an eternal throne at the right hand of his father. He was born to die that we who were born dead may be born again, that we might share eternal life with him. The message of Christmas is that he's come and he's come for you. He's come for me. He's come for every one of us. He heard your silent prayers uttered on tear-stained pillows before they were ever said. He knows your deepest questions about death and eternity and they were answered before you ever whispered them. In your greatest need for a savior, he knew. He came because of you. He left the glory of heaven to walk in a cursed and broken world. He left the face of his father to encounter the hopelessness of empty faces of sinful people. He removed himself from the adoration of countless angels who sang holy, holy, holy in exchange for evil men who would cry, crucify, crucify, crucify. Since he could bear our sins more easily than he could bear our hopelessness, he submitted to his father and he came as a baby to grow among us, to understand us, to love us, and to die for us. His throne was a manger throne, but his eternal throne is sitting next to the Father. And just as he came, he is coming again. And this, we celebrate this Christmas season. Thank you for listening. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is our hope for you today. If you would like to connect with us, visit our website at scottsill.org slash next steps. Till next time.